Welcome to the Slow the Fuck Down Show. I'm sensuality coach Casey Hall. And I'm drama healer Elizabeth Menzel. We're here to help you find the silver lining and slowing the fuck down throughout the pandemic and beyond. Let's do this. On today's episode, Slow the Fuck Down with Clutter. Welcome and thank you for being part of our conversation. This isn't just a podcast where we're talking at you. This is your opportunity to slow down, feel soothed, then walk away with skills that actually work. During COVID, donation centers and thrift stores were closed and they're starting to reopen now, but you may have noticed stuff is starting to pile up around your home. If you're someone who's having trouble with clutter, we dedicate today's show to you. Yes, we do. And we know that in a capitalist society, happiness is associated with having things. So we buy a lot of things to try to make us feel happy. But does it make us feel happy? Um, sometimes. I mean, I have things that bring me joy and then I have other items that kind of bring me a down. They're kind of a drag. Mm. Um, but, you know, statistics prove that people who have more don't feel happier than those that have all of their basic level needs met, like their sufficiency is covered, and then they have a little extra spending money. Um, people with a lot more stuff aren't more happy. And the division between those who have too much and those who have too little is really heartbreaking for me. I do work in society to try to heal that divide. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's also okay to have nice things. Yep. Having nice things is lovely. <laughs> yes. It's certainly, I mean, and, and the difference is, you know, I know I can speak from my own experience. I love the things that I have, and I've also consciously chosen them. Yeah, I, th I think it's the consciousness, you know, that choosing consciously and getting items that really add energy and vitality to your life and aren't trying to replace um, your, your emptiness inside. And that's the, that's the difference of choosing items that really are, have conscious awareness, you've spent the time, you've slowed down enough to not just be trying to fill that empty space inside of you with clutter. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you've had experience with that, right? You've moved around a lot. I have moved 40 times. <laughs> and so I've gone through a lot of um, consciously choosing what I keep and what I let go of. And anyone who has moved a lot or tried to clutter knows how hard it can be to let go of some items. We can really have a strong emotional attachment to things like I have this red Pyrex bowl that I have had since I was a little girl my mom had it before I was born and it was our popcorn bowl and she my brother and I would make popcorn and watch tv at night and I'm extremely attached to that bowl and I was just washing it last night and putting it away and it's like I hold it like it's a little baby bird to put it on the <laughs> shelf it's ridiculous <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, well, my, uh, my dad actually taught me how to be pretty frugal. So I don't have a lot of clutter in my home because of that. And um, I've actually saved a lot of money by not buying things I don't need. And I'm actually really thankful for that and for, for him considering 78% of U.S. workers 
live paycheck to paycheck, yet the average American spends $18,000 per year on non-essential items. 18,000. Oh my gosh. I mean, I believe it because more than half Americans are overwhelmed by the amount of clutter they have. And 80% of the items people keep are never even used and they don't even know what to do with it. I read that uh, the average American throws away 81 pounds of clothing every year. And at first I wasn't sure if I believed that, but then I Googled COVID goodwill and I saw that during COVID there were just lines around the corner of people just dropping all of this stuff off. Yeah, I saw that too. It was pretty crazy. It really animated how much extra stuff we have that people just have too much crap cluttering up their lives. And um, one of the things that I do every spring, I couldn't do it this spring because of the pandemic, but I've been doing it for a decade, is I have a clothing swap party, the Happy Woman Academy clothing swap party. And I run a video series where I teach people how to clean out their closets. And then we bring them all to my house and we set it up like a little shop. We have small, medium, and large, and we have uh, t-shirts in one area and pants in another. It's super well organized. And it's also a potluck and wine tasting party. So it's a very fun day. And it's a big celebration of like healthy abundance and our womanhood. And we're trying on clothes all day and complimenting each other and styling each other. It's, it's really, really super fun. And then at the end of it, we pack everything up that wasn't swapped. No one's allowed to take their stuff back home that they brought. And we pack it into all the cars and we take it to the women's center. And during the party, we have Dress for Success come and they go through everything and they pick out all the business clothes for their women. So there's lots of creative ways that you can uh, declutter and have it go to good use, not just throw it out or um, have it pile up at Goodwill. Ah, I love that. I love that you found such a creative way to, to make use of the stuff that we have because it yeah. seems like just a win-win across the board. It is, it is. It's a really positive way to be with and handle stuff and re-energize old things, you know, like what was old for someone else becomes new for you and it's just re-energized. It has a second life. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. And I know you were at our clothing swap party last year. It was fabulous. <laughs> I was, and I still, I get, you know, compliments on what I'm wearing sometimes. They're like, well, where did you get that? And I'm like a clothing swap party. And I'm like, well, what's a clothing swap party? <laughs> yeah. I'd say my favorite dresses I have right now were all free from the clothing swap party. That's pretty great. <laughs> well, and one of the things that kind of brought home to me, you know, just how much stuff that we have is, uh, according to the self-storage industry statistics, there are 48,500 storage units in the United States, which is more than a McDonald's and Starbucks locations combined. Whoa. Yeah. So if you think about how many McDonald's and how many Starbucks there are, <laughs> we have more storage units just hanging out with junk in them with junk in them yeah. dead energy collecting dust <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and you know we're sharing all this too just kind of to encourage that that slowing down with what you buy the kind of pausing and really consciously deciding what am i going to keep where am i going to put things yeah. um i know when i went to buy my house 
one of the best advice that I received is someone was like, listen, you're going to want to buy your house and then just immediately start filling it with stuff. Don't do that. Just move in, slow down, be in the space, live in it. And when you need stuff, bring it in. When it feels good, bring it in and it'll, it'll all come together in time. And did it? It totally did. <laughs> yeah, I love my home. I, don't, I didn't even have a couch, I think, for the first like four months and I was totally cool with it. Yeah, yeah. It, so you just consciously placed all the items in your home. That's really great. And it's your first home, so that's really special. You know, mm -hmm. I've always been really sensitive to how space feels, how the space feels around me. My mom and my grandmother both were really big on interior design and the placement of items and making the home look beautiful, but also feel really inviting. And that was just kind of always ingrained in me. So when I was graduating from the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, we had to do a thesis or a research project. I did this huge research project about how the objects in your home affect your body, mind, emotions, and creativity. And as a trauma healer with 27 years of a professional practice, I have now seen over the decades how the connection between clutter and your physical and emotional world plays out. Like you just to be surrounded by things that you don't love, that don't give you energy, can have this real dragging effect on your creativity, your energy, how you feel, how you think. It's, it's amazing. In fact, honestly, this is a crazy story, but I'm going to tell y'all. Way before we had Skype and Zoom and you could see who you were talking to on the phone, I was doing long distance healings over the phone. And so I'm on a first time session with this woman. I had never met her before. Um, she lived across the country from me, so I've never seen her place. And she was complaining about how everything was good in her life, but she just felt kind of heavy and weighed down and she couldn't figure it out. And uh, so she heard about me. She heard how good I was with seeing energy. So we do, we start this session and I just, I had this feeling, I didn't even know where I was going with it, but I was like, Hey, as you keep talking, could you get up and start walking around your house? So she did. And she's walking from room to room as she's telling me about things. And I just said, stop, turn around. What's behind you? She goes, oh my God, I hate that fucking thing. <laughs> and I was like, what is it? What's going on with that? She goes, oh, it's a piece that's been in my family for years. And I've never even really liked it. And it doesn't go with any of my stuff. And I stuck it in this room because it's the least used room in the house. But like, I don't even like walking through this room. Like it was just all this energy that was attached to this item. So it really proved the point that I had made in my thesis years before. These, these objects in our home really affect how you feel. In fact, 70% of people surveyed said that they feel weighed down by family belongings. I love that story. And I love how much it highlights just how much the stuff in your room has its own energy. Yeah, absolutely. So cool that you could see that. <laughs> Yeah, I can see inside bodies, energy field, and apparently the stuff around your house too, because I'm getting the energy of it. It's really cool. Uh, oh, and I love the correlation between, um, you know, physical 
and emotional clutter in the work that you do with trauma. Um, Studying sensuality, I found the same thing. the, The environment that you create in your outer world reflects the state of your inner world. Sexual pleasure is a, a great example of that. Um, did you know that sexual pleasure is context dependent? Context meaning the physical environment and the state of your mind. So when your environment is clean and your brain is calm, it's in a relaxed state, you're trusting the person you're with, your ability and openness to experience pleasure is actually increased. It's kind of like one of those, well, you know, think about it. Would you rather get it on in a dirty, cluttered space or a clean, organized space? Ooh, yes. I'd rather get it on dirty in a clean space. (laughs) (laughs) I actually made a video years ago called How Your Bedroom Can Affect Your Sex Life. So I know what you are talking about. So for our slowdown fans listening, um, try centrally decluttering your physical and mental space and see how it goes. Um, From the physical space, you can change your lighting, add scents, make it a comfortable temperature, clean up the space. You know, if there's piles, get rid of it, find a place for it. Um, Mentally, you know, using communication to address any stress or contextual needs between you and your partner. A little bit of effort, even if you just spend a couple minutes doing this, makes a huge difference. It really does. I um, had a friend a few years ago, and she was like, I don't get it. Everything's good with my husband and I, but like, we're just not having sex like we used to. And we talked about it a while, and then I just stopped, and I said, no, wait, describe your bedroom to me. And she goes, oh my God, we've got piles of laundry. We've got piles. We've got five years of back taxes just sitting there in these boxes. We've got the kids' toys. We've got, it's like, do me a favor. We were at a conference talking about this. I'm like, do me a favor. When you get home, get really serious with your boy, with your husband and say, I have a feeling if we clean our bedroom, our sex is going to get better. Would you clean the bedroom with me, right? Because you didn't have interest in cleaning it. So that sparked his interest in cleaning the bedroom. She said they got it all cleaned out and they started having great sex again. I swear to you, that is true. (laughs) True story. (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. I've experienced it. I see it. Um, And I think we all kind of subconsciously know this, right? Like when we're dating someone and we're trying to impress them and it's to the point where we go back to one another's place, we clean it up. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, Dale made a real honey trap. He he got me with that bachelor pad of yours. It was so clean. It was so organized. He had the magazines fanned out next to the bar. It was sweet. It worked. (laughs) Good job, Dale. (laughs) Um, And I think one of the other uh, benefits to decluttering is sleep, improvement Mm. in sleep. Mm. Um, You know, people who sleep in, in cluttered rooms are more likely to have sleeping problems. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I know I feel better when my room is clean, for sure. Oh, no me too. Yeah. Me too. And when people have trouble falling asleep or experiencing rest disturbances, I don't think that they think about the state of their room as a possible cause of that. Yeah, probably not, right? We all get used to our own mess anyway. Yeah. And I know when I worked at um, my old job as a health educator, the number one complaints that I got was 
people weren't getting enough sleep or mm. too stressed. There was so much going on, busy, 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 not enough sleep. So this is a really important topic. And hopefully if you're tuning in, um, you can try and change your space for a way that helps you sleep better. All right. So now we know how clutter affects sexy time and sleep. Elizabeth, what's the neuroscience of clutter? I'm so glad you asked, Casey, so you can give me an excuse to geek out on neuroscience. Okay, so your ability to see and hear are your brain's first and second line of defense. Your brain is always looking out for and listening for danger. And since your brain is able to absorb only 1% of the visual information it gets, when there is clutter, you get this real information overload. It happens very easy. And your surroundings can make you feel irritable and overwhelmed and uncertain and unsafe. And your brain loves order because it helps it feel safe. So chronic clutter can create a state of prolonged stress and it throws you into a state of low grade perpetual flight, fight, freeze or faint, keeping you in this constant survival mode. It's like an IV drip of stress hormones leaking into your system. Mm. And Casey, you and I know the importance of creating a safe container because in both of our professions, we help people heal and healing only happens in safe space. And Slow Down fans, your home is your safe container that you spend most of your time in, especially now. And you don't want to create a home that's a threatening environment. Yes, and decluttering your home of things that don't bring you joy and that you don't use can help you create a space where you can relax, restore, and rejuvenate. Yes, and when we feel safe and focused, we produce happy hormones. Yay, happy hormones! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and studies show that humans are more productive, less irritable, less distracted. Squirrel! <laughs> When they live in a clutter-free space. Yeah, because the, the brain has this limited capacity to process information. So when there's tons of clutter around, your brain gets exhausted. It's constantly getting distracted. Its attention is getting pulled all over the place. So ultimately, you lose focus. Like a kitchen counter that is stacked with dishes. My personal pet peeve, right? If you've got the dishes and mail and cat food, you can easily feel overwhelmed and exhausted and like, I take a nap right here. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that when my home is particularly cluttered, I just kind of sit there and freeze and I'm like, ah, I need to take a nap. And it's not because I'm actually tired. It's because the physical space is making me tired. And that explains why. Right. Your brain gets overwhelmed. It starts to shut down and it doesn't get that chance to enter a, a creative flow or process experiences when it is so overstimulated by all that clutter. So even the digital form of clutter has the same effect on your brain as physical clutter, right? There's emotional clutter, physical clutter, and digital clutter. And I got an email from a friend yesterday morning that she quit Facebook. She said it was cluttering up her mind too much. Her body was healthy, but her mind was infected with the COVID virus because of all of the Facebook posts and it was making her feel anxious. And I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that as well. I'm even thinking about, you know, just the act of scrolling through a feed 
an Instagram feed, a Facebook feed, all that information is just overwhelming. It is. I stopped scrolling three weeks ago. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I can't handle it. It was too overwhelming for me. It was triggering my PTSD. I couldn't take it. Glad you're taking care of yourself. I am. Ooh, okay. So two more fun facts I found. <laughs> you ready? Yes. Okay. Um, the National Association of Professional Organizers report that we spend one year of our lives looking for lost items. Wow. So clutter also wastes time. <laughs> it wastes so much time. And I would say that it's probably more for me because I tend to lose my phone pretty often. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder how many hours I waste looking for my phone and my keys. <laughs> Well, and uh, Elizabeth, one of the many things that we bond over is the fact that we both love to clean. We like clean houses. We understand, you know, this energetic importance of it. And um, so this next statistic, I think you'll like. According to the National Soap and Detergent Association, which is a real thing, uh, getting rid of clutter would eliminate 40% of household work in the average home. Wow, that's an amazing statistic. And yes, I do like cleaning. I was up until three in the morning cleaning. It is a very centering act for me. And it's not just clutter. Like I can feel the dust and dirt. Where are my hypersensitives at? You know what I'm talking about? Um, and the amount of stress that women experience in the home is directly proportional to the amount of stuff that they and their family have accumulated. Yes, that is so true. And studies also show that if men don't think the responsibility of keeping the house tidy is relevant to them, then they won't be inclined to see the clutter. And so they don't stress about it. And my man is living proof of that study because Dale does not see the mess. We were years into living together when we figured out that he doesn't see when it's messy, he doesn't see when it's clean. He just doesn't see it. The irony is that even though the visual cortex of a man has 25% more neurons than a woman's, men are impacted more by the things they see that they think have to do with them and less by the things they think do not have anything to do with them. So that is the patriarchy in action right there. <laughs> well, that is fascinating. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Dale's so brilliant though, you know, uh, we, we, we are mostly very harmonious in our home and he came up with this thing because I hate dirty dishes so much. They are so my nemesis and I hate dirty dishes on the countertop. And I just can't get over that we are only two people living here. How can we possibly make so many dishes in a day? And it's only become more evident since the pandemic and, and the lockdown. So, um, he came up with this shift of perspective and he said, you know, babe, the kitchen counter is like a mandala, like one of those sand mandalas <laughs> made by the monks, right? <laughs> and they spend all this time making the mandala and then they blow it away. And ours is the opposite. Like I spend all this time cleaning and clearing it and then it gets cluttered with this dishes. And then I clean and clear it and then it gets cluttered with dishes. And then I just have to think of it like a mandala and it works. All that time I spent in a Tibetan monastery must have rubbed off on me because it totally does help me to just sort of zen and ease into the mandala that, that is my kitchen counter. Oh, I love it. You know, that's a perfect example of a perspective shift. 
Right. So one of the big takeaways here is, you know, instead of blaming ourselves for noticing too much or our partners for noticing too little, maybe we can just know that our brains are geared for order and we can join forces with the members in our household and just kind of clear away or create a way for a more peaceful home. Yes, that's so loving. Thank you, Casey. For the brain, less is actually more, more space, more peace, and we want more peace for all of you. That we do. This week's slow the F down question comes from Aaron Weir of Pittsburgh. Aaron works from home and asks, how do you separate work from not work? I really like this question and I think it's really relevant because a lot of people during COVID had to shift to work at home. Um, so we found some information for you here, Erin. 91% of people surveyed said that they would be more effective and efficient if their workspace was better organized. And 90% of office managers said that they spend an hour a day looking for things. Oh my gosh, like we spend time looking for our phone and our keys every day. Yeah, <laughs> I find that easy to believe. I find that easy to believe. You know, Erin, um, so I don't know what your house is like and if you're able to have a separate office, but for, um, for all of you Slowdown fans, like if you don't have a separate office, you can separate and delineate spaces. So let's say you're using um, the kitchen table as your office, put everything away that's your office related when you're not using it. That will help your mind switch from office time to home time. And it's a, it's a out of sight, out of mind thing. And now that you know the neuroscience of clutter, you can see how that makes sense. It'll help you to relax if you can put it in a closet, put it in a box, put it under the table. Just put it somewhere where it's not going to be visually stimulating for you. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. And I also feel like actually saying those transitions out loud is really helpful. Whether you live with people or whether you live by yourself, actually saying out loud, I'm done with work, I'm going for a walk, and then I'm going to come back and eat dinner. If you live by yourself, then you're kind of creating that division within. And if you live with other people, you're letting them know that although we're in this very tight space, we still have these different transitions and this is what I'm doing. Yeah, perfect. We're gonna dig in deeper to our awesome skills right after a commercial break and a word from our sponsor. If you are ready to shake off stress and release pain and trauma, then tune into our bi-monthly virtual non-linear movement method classes. This is the method neurobiologists recommend to get accumulated stress chemicals out of your cells. And this has worked for me to relieve a lifetime of chronic pain in just two months of practice. Our class is open to men and women and free for essential workers. So go to thehappywomanacademy.com and click on the hot pink button and I will see you at our next nonlinear movement method class. Hi, it's me, Mother Nature. If you think you're stressed, imagine how I feel. Each year, I have to deal with your species dumping 8 million metric tons of trash into my oceans. Gross. 
That's about 17.6 million pounds or the equivalent of nearly 57,000 blue whales every single year. Currently, there's more plastic than fish in my ocean. Get it together, people. You're cluttering up my home. Thank you, Mother Nature. And now for your slow down skills. So our first slow down skill I've called gratitude dishes. I prefer to unload the dishwasher. My partner prefers to load them so you can kind of make it work. But because I do the unloading, uh, what I do is as I unload each item, I think about what I drank or what I ate off of that and I give gratitude towards that. So I'm so thankful for this cup of tea. Gosh, that was an amazing cup of coffee. Oh man, we got to have a really good fish dinner on this plate. And then with the silverware, I go, I take it, we have one of those little separate containers that you can pull out of the uh, dishwasher and mm -hmm. I walk over and I go to the drawer and as I put down each piece of silverware, I think of somebody that I'm thankful for. So I get my mom, my dad, Elizabeth, Dale, Jeremy, you know, I just kind of go through the, the list and, um, and I really love it. And it totally ch has changed that experience for me. So kind of one, one slow down skill that I really enjoy. And I have used that slow down skill when I was putting the silverware away because I don't mind putting all the other dishes away, but I don't like unloading the silverware. And so I did that exact thing and it became this really lovely act and way to be with my items that infuse them with energy and open my heart and with gratitude. It was really beautiful. Thanks, Casey. So skill number two today is a creating a safe space or a Zen zone or a soothing station in your home. And so, you know, you might not all have a yoga salon or a healing attic in our house. So you can create a little space, whether it's a pillow in a corner with a candle and some flowers, some place where that's where you get to relax and that's where your kids don't get to mess with it and it's for nobody else it's just your little clean clear place where you can sit and de-stress you can meditate there you can have a cup of tea and just be i, I love a, that skill it's yeah. it's lovely i had a client who um downsized and so you know didn't have a lot of extra room anymore but she had this tiny coat closet in the hall and she turned that into her little safe space. And it was the sweetest, cutest thing. And we actually used to do our long distance ceilings and she would sit in this little coat closet and she had the walls covered with her um, vision board and she had a, a Tibetan bowl in there and a little candle. It was the sweetest little space. So you don't need a lot to make your own safe haven within your home. Love that skill. There was, um, I had a, a client one time who decided to create that space in her car. She spent tons of time in traffic. Brilliant. And I was like, wow, great idea. So thank you for that. So our slow down skill number three, uh, this is a simple one. It's called the one touch rule. Try as much as possible to only touch things one time, take them from you know where they are to where their place is. So groceries, for example, you know, as soon as you take them out of the car, then you walk into the house, into the kitchen and put it right in the fridge. So trying to do like 
minimize the amount of times that you're picking things up and putting things down. Same thing if you're getting undressed, right? You get undressed, put the clothes right back where they go instead of take them off, put them on the floor, having to come up and get them later. So it's just trying to remember that one touch as much as possible helps give everything a place and it also makes it more efficient. That's a beautiful thing. It's a time and motion skill. You know, I was, I've been on my own since I was 16 years old and I was always really, really careful. So I actually used that skill where I'd get the bill from the mailbox. I would not let it out of my hand until I had written a check, put it back in the envelope, put a stamp on the envelope, put it back in my mailbox and put the flag up. It was all one touch, one fluid motion. And um, it really reduces anxiety. Yeah, it's amazing, it feels complete. Right? Right. And if you, if you, if it's what 40% of housework could be eliminated, right? Like that reminds me of that statistic. Yep. Yeah. Cause I know that I'll just throw off my clothes. Won't even put them in the hamper, right? Sometimes I just throw them off, put on my pajamas and it's like, then the next day I got to go clean up my clothes, right? It's this whole extra effort and extra step that, that I didn't have to make in the first place. Exactly. Brilliant. Speaking of closets, skill number four is to help you easily clean out clothes from your closet. Now, there is a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. It is fantastic. There is a show on Netflix called Tidying Up, if it's still playing. Brilliant, definitely watch that show. It's Marie Kondo's show. And she talks about your items sparking joy. If it sparks joy in you, that's an item you wanna keep. And if it doesn't anymore, even if you're emotionally attached to it, you'll feel better after letting it go. So her way of cleaning out the clothes in your closet is to take everything out and only put in back what sparks joy. And I totally agree with that method, but that can be very overwhelming for people to do. You need a lot of time for that method. If you don't have big chunks of time or don't wanna feel overwhelmed, you can do it this way instead. You put your hand on each item and it sparks joy or it doesn't. You get a yes or a no. And if you get a yes, you go on to the next piece. If it doesn't spark that joy, you don't get that internal yes, you toss it onto a, a pile. And so you just go through each piece and it has to be very, very, very fast or else your mind will get caught up in it and your emotions will get caught up and you'll wanna hold on to everything. So go through as quickly as possible, sparks joy stays, doesn't spark joy, gets put on the pile. And then, like we said, that pile, do something really great with it. You can give it to friends, you can have a clothing swap party, you can donate it to a shelter, somewhere where your old energy is going to be renewed and used again by someone else. Slow down skill number five is adding pleasure to cleaning. So we talked a little bit about pleasure before um, and how important context is. Uh, the idea here is pleasure is a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. So any way that you can bring that into your cleaning experience, whether that's music, essential oils, dancing, pouring a cup of coffee, tea, having a cocktail, take the fact that you are cleaning and just see how many senses that you can bring in just to make it more enjoyable. Love that skill. Skill number six, at the end of your night before going to bed, you can do a five minute pickup. 
just five minutes. That's all you've got to do. And you just run around your house, picking up any clutter, any dishes into the sink or into the dishwasher, any clothes you find, any scraps that you find around, just putting by your desk, just five minutes. That's it. Dale and I do this. And then I get to come downstairs to a clean kitchen and the clean house the next day. It feels so wonderful. And it wasn't a big deal. We only spent five minutes. I love that. And I'm sure that that five minutes makes such a big difference. You, yeah, you wouldn't think you could get that much done in five minutes, but you can. We are here to help you take your healing deeper. Go ahead and set up a free consultation with each of us on our website, slowthefdownshow.com. And now for the slowdown playlist. What you got this week, Casey? I was going back and forth between two songs. Um, but the one that I decided to go with is Dirk Spentley, Settle for a Slowdown. Oh, that is a sexy song. My, my Texan man, Dale, turned me on to Dirk Spentley, and he is quite the songwriter and uh, sexy masculine energy dude. <laughs> yeah, he's got that voice. Oh, great. I love that song. My slowdown song this episode is David Bowie's Five Years. And I know what you're saying. Elizabeth, that is a heavy, serious song about the apocalypse. Yes, I know. But that song slows me down. It gets me really introspective and it chills me out. It, it does something for me. It just works for me to slow me down. So there you go. <laughs> I get it. We, li we listened to it and I was like, I like this song. It's so intense. Yeah. It's, it's way more melodramatic than I normally like, but I freaking dig it. Um, and then uh, Stacey Sargent, an old friend of mine from Chicago and a rock chick. Her slowdown song is the Cocteau Twins from the Flagstones. Stacey, thank you so much for your contribution to the Slow the Fuck Down playlist. I got on a two and a half hour listening binge to the Cocteau Twins when I listened to this song. It's so good. It's such a good slowdown. So go to our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show, and you can view the full slowdown playlist and you can share your favorite slowdown song. All right, Elizabeth, what was your favorite part of today's show? Oh my gosh. Um, I doing today's show um probably geeking out on neuroscience <laughs> i think i could do that for like 10 days straight without ever stopping and i'd still have more material <laughs> beautiful i really enjoyed um learning about the skills that you have this time oh, cool yeah yeah yeah, there's a lot of good skills. We give you awesome skills, Slowdown fans, and we use our skills, so we know they work. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. I'm glad you liked that. Mm -hmm. On our next episode, Slow the Fuck Down with Speed Healing. Ooh, that's mm. going to be juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Have fun decluttering and enjoy your slowdown. Do you have a slowdown story? Submit it with the hashtag MySlowDown on our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show.